Section 24 of Some Answered Questions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Some Answered Questions. Rahulun Baha. Translated by Laura Clifford Barney. Chapter 58. The Degree of Knowledge Possessed by Man and the Divine Manifestations. Question. Of what degree is the intelligence of the human world, and what are its limitations? Answer. Know that intelligence varies. The lowest degree of intelligence is that of the animals. That is to say, the natural feeling which appears throughout the powers of the senses, and which is called sensation. In this, men and animals are sharers. Moreover, some animals with regard to the senses are more powerful than man, but in humanity, Intelligence differs and varies in accordance with the different conditions of man. The first condition of intelligence in the world of nature is the intelligence of the rational soul. In this intelligence and in this power all men are sharers, whether they be neglectful or vigilant, believers or deniers. This human rational soul is God's creation. It contains and excels other creatures as it is more noble and distinguished. It contains things. The power of the rational soul can discover the realities of things, comprehend the peculiarities of beings, and penetrate the mysteries of existence. All sciences, knowledge, arts, wonders, institutions, discoveries, and enterprises come from the exercised intelligence of the rational soul. There was a time when they were unknown, preserved mysteries, and hidden secrets. The rational soul gradually discovered them, and brought them out from the place of the invisible and the hidden into the realm of the visible. This is the greatest power of intelligence in the world of nature, which in its highest flight and soaring comprehends the realities, the properties, and the effects of the contingent beings. But the universal divine mind which is beyond nature is the bounty of the pre-existent power. This universal mind is divine. It embraces existing realities, and it receives the light of the mysteries of God. It is a conscious power, not a power of investigation and of research. The intellectual power of the world, of nature, is a power of investigation, and by its researches it discovers the realities of beings and the properties of existences. But the heavenly intellectual power, which is beyond nature, embraces things and is cognizant of things, knows them, understands them. It is aware of mysteries, realities, and divine significations, and is the discoverer of the concealed verities of the kingdom. This divine intellectual power is the special attribute of the holy manifestations and the dawning places of the prophethood. A ray of light falls upon the mirrors of the hearts of the righteous, and a portion and a share of this power comes to them through the holy manifestations. The holy manifestations have three conditions. One, the physical condition, one, that of the rational soul, and one, that of the manifestation of perfection and of lordly splendour. The body comprehends things according to the degree of its ability in the physical world. Therefore, in certain cases, it shows physical weakness. For example, I was sleeping and unconscious. The breeze of God passed over me and awoke me and commanded me to proclaim the word. Or when Christ in his thirtieth year was baptized and the Holy Spirit depended upon him. Before this, the Holy Spirit did not manifest itself in him. All these things refer to the bodily condition of the manifestations but their heavenly condition embraces all things, knows all mysteries, discovers all signs, and rules over all things, before as well as after their mission, 
it is the same. That is why Christ had said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and last. That is to say, there has never been and never shall be any change and alteration in me. Chapter 59. Man's Knowledge of God. Question. To what extent can the understanding of man comprehend God? Answer. This subject requires ample time, and to explain it thus at any table is not easy. Nevertheless, we will speak of it briefly. Know that there are two kinds of knowledge, the knowledge of the essence of a thing and the knowledge of its qualities. The essence of a thing is known through its quantities, otherwise it is unknown and hidden. As our knowledge of things, even of created and limited things, is knowledge of their qualities and not of their essence. How is it possible to comprehend in essence the divine reality, which is unlimited? For the substance of the essence of anything is not comprehended, but only its qualities. For example, the substance of the sun is unknown, but is understood by its qualities, which are heat and light. The substance of the essence of a man is unknown and not evident, but by its qualities it is characterised and known. Thus everything is known by its qualities and not by its essence. Although the mind encompasses all things, and the outward beings are comprehended by it, nevertheless these things begin with regard to their essence are unknown. They are only known with regard to their qualities. Then how can the eternal everlasting Lord, who is held sanctified from comprehension and conception, be known by his essence? That is to say, as things can only be known by their qualities and not by their essence, it is certain that the divine reality is unknown with regard to its essence, and is known with regard to its attributes. Besides, how can the phenomenal reality embrace the pre-existent reality? For comprehension is the result of encompassing, embracing, must be, so that the comprehension may be, and the essence of unity surrounds all, and is not surrounded. Also the difference of conditions in the world of beings is an obstacle to comprehension. For example, this mineral belongs to the mineral kingdom. However, far it may rise, it can never comprehend the power of growth. The plants, the trees, whatever progress they may make, cannot conceive of the power of sight, or the powers of the other senses, and the animal cannot imagine the condition of man, that is to say, his spiritual powers. Difference of condition is an obstacle to knowledge. The inferior degree cannot comprehend the superior degree. How then can the phenomenal reality comprehend the pre-existent reality? Knowing God, therefore, means the comprehension and the knowledge of his attributes, and not of his reality. This knowledge of the attributes is also proportioned to the capacity and the power of man. It is not absolute. Philosophy contains in its comprehending the reality of things as they exist, according to the capacity and the power of man. For the phenomenal reality can comprehend the pre-existent attributes only to the extent of the human capacity. The mystery of the divinity is sanctified and purified from the comprehension of the beings. For all that comes to the imagination is that which man understands, and the power of the understanding of man does not embrace the reality of the divine essence. All that man is able to understand are the attributes of divinity, the radiance of which appears and is visible in the worlds and souls. When we look at the worlds and souls, we see wonderful signs of the divine perfections, which are clear and apparent. For the reality of things proves the universal reality. The reality of divinity may be compared to the sun, from which the height of its magnificence shines upon all the horizons 
and each horizon, and each soul receives a share of its radiance. If this light and these rays did not exist, beings would not exist. All beings express something, and partake some ray in proportion of this light. The splendours of perfection, bounties, and attributes of God shine forth and radiate from the reality of perfect man. That is to say, the unique one, the universal manifestation of God. Other beings receive only one ray, but the universal manifestation is the mirror for this sun, which appears and becomes manifest in it, with all its perfections, attributes, signs, and wonders. The knowledge of the reality of the divinity is impossible and unobtainable. But the knowledge of the manifestations of God is the knowledge of God, for the bounties, splendours, and divine attributes are apparent in them. Therefore, if man attains to the knowledge of the manifestations of God, he will attain to the knowledge of God, and if he neglect, be neglectful of the knowledge of the holy manifestation, he will be bereft of the knowledge of God. It is then ascertained and proved that the holy manifestations are the centre of the bounty, signs, and perfections of God. Blessed are those who receive the light of the divine bounties from the enlightening dawning points. We hope that the friends of God, like an attractive force, will draw these bounties from the source itself, and they will arise with such illumination and signs that there will be evident proofs of the sun of reality. Chapter 60 The Immortality of the Spirit, Part 1 Having shown that the spirit of man's existence, we must prove its immortality. The immortality of the spirit is mentioned in the holy books. It is the fundamental basis of the divine religions. Now punishments and rewards are said to be of two kinds. Firstly, the rewards and punishments of this life. Secondly, those of the other world. But the paradise and the hell of existence are found in all the worlds of God, whether in this world or in the spiritual heavenly worlds, gaining these rewards in the gaining of eternal life. That is why Christ said, Act in such a way that you may find eternal life, and that you may be born of water and the Spirit, so that you may be enter into the kingdom of God. The rewards of this life are the virtues and perfections which adorn the reality of man. For example, he was dark and became luminous. He was ignorant and becomes wise. He was neglectful and becomes vigilant. He was asleep and becomes awakened. He was dead and becomes living. He was blind and becomes a seer. He was deaf and becomes a hearer. He was earthly and becomes heavenly. He was material and becomes spiritual. Through these rewards he gains a spiritual birth and becomes a new creature. He becomes the manifestation of the verse in the gospel where it is said of the disciples they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. That is to say, they were delivered from the animal characteristics and qualities which are the characteristics of the human nature, and they became qualified with the divine characteristics, which are the bounty of God. This is the meaning of the second birth. For such people there is no greater torture than being veiled from God, and no more severe punishment than the sensual vices, dark qualities, lowness of nature, engrossment in carnal desires. When they are delivered through the light of the faith and the darkness of these vices and become illuminated with the radiance of the sun of reality, and ennobled with all virtues, they esteem this greatest reward, they know it to be the true paradise. In the same way they consider that the spiritual punishment, that is to say the torture and punishment of existence, is to be subjected to the world of nature, to be veiled from God, to be brutal and ignorant, to fall into carnal lusts, to be absorbed in animal frailties, to be characterised with dark qualities such as falsehood, tyranny, cruelty, and attachment to the affairs of the world. 
and being immersed in satanic ideas. For them, these are the greatest punishments and tortures. Likewise, the rewards of the other world are eternal life, which is clearly mentioned in all holy books, the divine perfections and eternal boundaries, and everlasting felicity. The rewards of the other worlds are perfections and peace obtained in the spiritual worlds after leaving this world, whilst the rewards of this life are real luminous perfections which are realised in this world and which are the cause of eternal life, for they are the very progress of existence. It is like the man who passes from the embryonic world to the state of maturity and becomes the manifestation of these words. Blessed be God, the best of creators. The rewards of the other world are peace, the spiritual graces, the various spiritual gifts in the kingdom of God, the gaining of the desires of the heart and soul, and the meeting of God in the world of eternity. In the same way, the punishments of the other world, that is to say, the torments of the other world, consist in being deprived of the special divine blessings and absolute bounties, the falling into the lowest degrees of existence. And he who is deprived of these divine favours, although he continues after death, is considered as dead by the people of truth. The logical proof of the immortality of the spirit is this, that no sign can come from the non-existent thing, that is to say, it is impossible that from absolute non-existent signs should appear. For the signs are the consequence of an existence, and the consequence depends upon the existence of the principle. So, from a non-existent sun no light can radiate, from a non-existent sea no waves appear, from a non-existing cloud no rain falls, a non-existing tree yields no fruit, a non-existing man neither manifests nor produces anything. Therefore, as long as signs of existence appear, they are proof that the possessor of sign is the existence. Consider that today the kingdom of Christ exists from a non-existing king. How could such a great kingdom be manifested? How, from a non-existing sea, can the waves mount so high? From a non-existing garden, how can such fragrant breezes be wafted? Reflect that no effect, no trace, no influence remains of any being after its members are dispersed and its elements are decomposed. Whether it be a mineral, a vegetable, or an animal, there is the only human reality and the spirit of man, which after this disintegration of the members, dispersing of the particles and destruction of the composition, persists and continues to act and have power. This question is extremely subtle. Considered attentively, this is the rational proof which we are giving, so that the wise may weigh it in the balance of reason and justice. But if the human spirit will rejoice and be attracted to the kingdom of God, if the inner sight becomes opened and the spiritual hearing strengthened, and the spiritual feelings predominant, he will see the immortality of the spirit as clearly as he sees the sun, and the glad tidings and signs of God will encompass him. Tomorrow we will give other proofs. End of chapter 60.